0: something we talk about a lot and when we talk about it sometimes it's like in a kind of judgmental sense or like a you roll your eyes at like oh, this is just how dudes are and like you know women will vent about it to each other other boyfriends don't have friends it's just like a very common thing that comes up yeah. but we don't talk about it as a mental health crisis and as a real as, as a real challenge that a lot of guys are facing and trying to confront and and it's changing in a lot of ways and it's not their fault
1: Welcome back to episode 7 of Real Men Do Cry. I'm your host, Jaren Deutsch. With me today is Samantha Schmidt. She is a reporter for the Washington Post. She recently published an article titled, No Game Days, No Bars. The pandemic is forcing some men to realize they need deeper friendships. After reading the article, I immediately reached out to try and have her talk about it in more detail on the pod. During our discussion, she addresses the changes in our friendships, how men have begun to actively search for deeper connections as a result of the pandemic's isolating effects, and insight from a study by Jeffrey Grief, a professor at the University of Maryland, as well as from a book by Naomi Wei, a professor of developmental psychology. Enjoy. What is the friendship crisis?
0: Yeah, I, I've i talked to a lot of experts for the story and I think that there's a broader issue that a lot of um, you know, sociologists and psychologists have brought up, which is generally in America, there's not much of an emphasis on adult friendships. And, and for some reason, it's particularly um, a problem for men and that it's less natural for men to have deep, uh, intimate friendships with other men as adults. And I talked to this one professor niobe way at NYU about mental psychology. Uh, she has studied this for years, and she has found that actually, when boys are younger, before adolescence, they are really actually like open with their with their male friends. They share a lot of deep secrets with each other, and they like love talking about their guy friends. And then suddenly, at like age fifteen or sixteen, they start to get really defensive. And when you ask them about their friendships, they are like. You know, we're not that close. You know, don't we're not gay. Like, they suddenly start to kind of freeze up, and uh, you know, in her mind, this is when these expectations of manhood start to get imposed on young men, and it's these notions that you know men can't be vulnerable with other men, and it's really rooted in a lot of misogyny and homophobia to some extent.
1: That's interesting. Niobe Wei, yeah, you mentioned her in your article. She's a professor of developmental psychology. Uh, her book, Deep Secrets, Boys, Friendships, and the Crisis of Connection. Do you believe that this avoidance of intimacy and deep connection is a result of how men are raised? Niobe talks about this in her book. Do you think that it's more of a nurture over nature or nature over nurture?
0: I, I think it's there's always a combination of both, right? But I do think that you know, from the experts I talked to the story, it's clear that it has a lot to do with uh, just these expectations put on men culturally. And, you know, it, it is a lot of, of homophobia, I think, because yeah. there's this kind of idea that if you're emotionally intimate with other men, it is a romantic relationship. And it there's, I think, generally a reluctance among a lot of men to open up about their emotions. But if they're going to do that, they're more often uh, doing that with with significant others or with the women in their lives and less often with the men in their lives, just because that's not something that they've been really taught to do as much.
1: Yeah. Homophobic factor. And then also within our culture, adult friendships in general, when we get to that age, the goal of adulthood is to find a partner, not necessarily a best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I think nobody talks about that as well it's also written that there's nothing in our definition of success or maturity that includes friendship. So basically, when we get yeah. to that age, we're focused yeah. on finding a partner and the friendships go to the wayside. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think for both, um, for both men and women, I think, especially later in adulthood, you're, you start to kind of close off a bit more and um, your circle becomes smaller. And, you know, you become very invested in the friends, you know, the you're in your children's lives, and you know, the people you live with and uh, in your neighborhood and stuff like that. But it does Seem that, you know, and this isn't true, you know, kind of caveat, this is not true across the board of all men, and of all women, right. Right. Um, And a lot of this is changing. But one thing I found really interesting was in surveys, when you ask men, who their best friend is, and you ask women who their best friend is, adults, you find that more often, men will say it's actually their significant other, whereas women will be less likely to say it's their significant other, they'll say it's, you know, their, their girlfriend, or their, Sister or somebody else. But I found that really interesting that, you know, there's kind of more of a maybe, you know, an emotional dependence to some extent on significant others, or maybe just a, a different framework for thinking about, you know, a best friend. I mean, you know, one could argue it's not a bad thing that your best friend is your significant other. But
1: yeah, I,
0: you know, I, th- I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, very interesting. And I'm moving forward to how the pandemic has affected friendships in general. Big part of your article. How has the pandemic changed our friendships? And I guess we can tailor it to men specifically or just in general, but how has the pandemic really affected our friendships?
0: Yeah, I think for everyone, and to some extent it's, forced us to be really, uh, you know, to put a lot of intention in our friendships and to be very specific and, you know, it, and to some extent it has kind of closed off our friendships. You don't have as many of those kind of peripheral friends, acquaintances that you would run into in the office or that you would just see at, you know, Uh, I was on a soccer team, you know, you would see these friends at like a soccer game every couple of weeks or whatever. Those friendships have sort of disappeared and you have to be more intentional about those friendships. And to some extent, for those of us who are working from home and are very intensely quarantining during this time, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not really getting together in person as much. And so a lot of these friendships have switched to more conversation-based friendships where, you know, whether it's Zoom calls or, or text messages or Slack messages with coworkers, I think, um, it's become a lot more digital and less in person. And uh, what I found talking to dozens of people, as well as experts who kind of study the differences in, in gender and friendships, is that women's friendships tend to adapt more easily to that format than men's friendships. Because women, one, one professor framed this to me as shoulder to shoulder friendships versus face to face friendships. But men tend to have shoulder to shoulder friendships which are more revolved around activities and like watching sports or sitting at a bar together and watching a game um, or playing golf together. You know, you're standing literally shoulder to shoulder with them. Whereas women are more likely to get together for a cup of coffee or, you know, just to have dinner or lunch together and just talk. Like there's less of a a focus on activities and having something to do. For me, for example, it was totally normal for me even before the pandemic to just call up my friends just to talk. Or just to catch up, and we wouldn't really be doing anything else. That was more often the way I would (laughs) socialize. But you know, you hear from a lot of guys, and I I talked to dozens of men for the story, and they said, you know, I suddenly realized like so many of my friendships were revolved around things I did, whether it was the office or the gym, or you know, the the other dads at the soccer games uh, for my kids. Like it was really revolved around just everyday life and stuff you would do, but. Suddenly, when all of that goes away, you have to find a new way to connect with your friends. Yeah,
1: shoulder-to-shoulder interactions compared to -to face-to-face interactions. The survey that you mentioned from the University of Maryland, where they talked to hundreds of men, when these men were asked how they most often socialize with friends, 80% said sports, you know, watching or playing sports. And now the pandemic... As you said in your article as well, has led men to more actively searching for these deeper connections. Do you feel like this is something that will stay when the pandemic's over? Or do you feel like we're going to continue to have this desire for a deeper connection as opposed to just going back to the way things were before March of 2020?
0: That's a good question. I think that's a question we have about a lot of things about the pandemic. Yeah. Are we still going to have more flexibility to work from home? Are we, you know, going to go back to shaking hands or not? You know, it's very yeah. hard to tell, but I do think that, you know, a a lot of the men I talked to for this story, they did say they liked this about their friendship. This is making them realize how much they needed to just slow down and develop those deeper connections. And they're really taking advantage of this time and kind of opening up more to their friends. And I will, I keep thinking about this one man I talked to who said that he was realizing that his wife for forever, for their entire marriage has always gone on walks with her friends. And he had never... Ever thought to go on just like a walk with his friend with his buddy just to talk you know he would usually socialize with people i think he said it at like baseball games he played it on a baseball team and he told me that for the first time in his life he was going on walks with with this one co-worker and friend and they were go- they were going to the park here in dc or they would just at lunchtime go for a walk with masks on and just talk yeah and they've started doing that like every few weeks now and he wants to stick with that. He thinks it's actually a really nice way to socialize and it's really refreshing to just have that conversation. And so I think for a lot of people, it's it's making them realize how much they needed that in their life. And it was kind of like a, a shakeup that a lot of men and women needed in their life. So it's, you know, maybe it'll stick, maybe it won't. But I think that these, you know, group chats have, have started to exist now. You know, these WhatsApp groups are now a part of these men's day-to-day lives. Like I talked to one group that said they now send like hundreds and hundreds of texts in this group chat every day now. And it's just become such a natural part of their life that I can't imagine that's just going to go away immediately when the pandemic ends, you know? So I do think some of these relationships and, you know, these communities will continue to exist. Hopefully.
1: (laughs) I hope so too. And I think that they will. I agree with you. When you first started the article, you talked about someone named Manny Argeta. He broke up with his girlfriend, moved into a studio in Virginia. He went weeks without speaking, very isolated. Then he started joining these gaming communities for some social interaction, and he realized his past friendships were dependent on sports and partying, the shoulder-to-shoulder theory that, that you mentioned earlier. And he rarely would talk to his friends about relationships, family. He had a quote. He said, we are so used to finding distraction to help us when we should be addressing what's in front of us. And to your point about these walks and the WhatsApp texts, even if it's just small talk, eventually you're gonna to get to that deeper conversation. So Manny, for example, wanted his friends to ask about what happened with this relationship. And typically with was surface level, sports only, partying. And you know, since the pandemic, with this desire to find deeper connection, he's having these conversations with his friends they are more curious about his relationships and family. And um, it seems like this is just becoming a you know, more popular thing now which is great to see.
0: Yeah. And he was really open with me and I was really moved by how introspective he was. And I think that it was clear that he'd gone through a lot of therapy and spent a lot of time thinking about this. And so I think that was also key here was, you know, he needed to take a step back, work on himself, work on his mental health and realize what he needed and how, how to open up about this. And I think it was just that realization of like, I don't think I've even met a lot of my friends, family members. Like, I don't think I know that much about their personal lives they don't know what happened with my breakup why why is that the Mm -hmm. case like what is it that's blocking that I joined a zoom call with a bunch of like old college buddies that have you know been out of college for many years now but um are still in touch from like UVA and they were like they met on their college freshman dorm so like those kind of friends and it seemed like sitting on this call and hearing them banter back and forth they were stuck in this college friendship where it was very much focused around like roasting each other and like you know just kind of always like poking fun at each other and finding any way to do that. So it was just never serious and they were so and they kept laughing about it where they were like why don't we talk about serious topics. Yeah. And but they did say that when they would get together in person those things could come more easily. So like if you're sitting together at a bar for like over an hour with a beer or like and there's a game on or whatever like it'll eventually move to something more uh, than just the surface level conversation, but you kind of have to have that much time for it to kind of casually slip in and out. Like, oh, how are you doing with your girlfriend? Or, you know, how's everything at work and with your family? Like that kind of stuff will come up, but not right away. And so I think that's what they were struggling with with the pandemic was how do we bring that into our conversations in a way that's natural and not awkward? I think that's a challenge for a lot of people, you know, it's like when you don't want to just send it text message announcing a new development in your life or saying that you're like, you know, going through a rough time. Like, how do you bring that up when you're not together in person? It's a challenge, I think, for both men and women right now.
1: I totally agree. I want to take it a little bit deeper with the BYU study. You mentioned it found that social connection improves a person's odds of survival by 50%. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, the suicide rate among men in 2018 was 3.7 times higher than among women. But surveys show men are less likely to admit they are lonely. Why do you think that is? And how can we start to change that?
0: Yeah, I think it just goes back to that uh, reluctance to be vulnerable and to be intimate. And I think that does come back to what you know these messages that young young boys and young men are given, which is like if you're a man, you're strong. You know this sounds cliche, because I feel like this is always how they, they frame it. But you know you have to kind of toughen up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know you don't open up about this kind of stuff, especially not with other men. And I think that you know it goes to show like that BYU study, like these relationships, this vulnerability is key to survival and mental health, and those social connections really are important and. I think that it's just sometimes you need like a really challenging time like this to somehow come to terms with that and to realize like, this is what I need right now. And I think that, you know, that was the case with Manny at least in my story was, it was a mental health, it was a mental health need at that time. It wasn't just like, oh, I miss my friends. He really needed it. He was depressed, he was living alone. He was going through a breakup. I mean, he was hitting rock bottom and he was able to like pick himself up and say, I need, I need my friends. I need my buddies to, you know, just for the sake of, I mean, he was going on discord just to listen to people talk. And at one point he didn't even have his microphone set up, so he couldn't join the conversation, but he just needed, you know, to hear that voice. And I think that's a lot of us right now. I think we're just eager for any social interaction, any connection. And I think we have to kind of lean into that.
1: Definitely need to lean into it. Absolutely. How did you find Manny? What made you reach out to Manny specifically of any other guy that's probably going through this isolated experience?
0: I loved this whole reporting process because it was kind of a shot in the dark. I just tweeted and I have a, you know, I don't have that big of a Twitter following, but I, you know, I I tweeted out this question of, I'm hoping to talk to men about their friendships and, how those have changed during the pandemic. I left it like very open-ended and Mm. had a lot of, asked a lot of people I knew and like reporters in the newsroom that had more Twitter following than I did to tweet it out and um, I got tons of emails. I mean, dozens of emails and and Twitter messages from people who really, I mean, some of them were just like really proud of their friendships and really wanted to talk about like, ah, I have this WhatsApp group. We call it the Battalion. It's amazing. (laughs) And like really wanted to kind of, Uh, reject the stereotype that men can't you know have close friendships very kind of adamant about that but then some people were really kind of it, it really resonated with them and they wanted to to talk about how this was playing out in their own life and it really resonated more than i you know i expected it to and manny was one of the people who messaged me he was actually one of the first people who emailed me And a lot of people who emailed me said that they had gotten it sent to them by a friend or some, and a lot of them said that a female friend of theirs had shared it with them and said, I think this applies to (laughs) you. But yeah, I was really moved by how open people were about it. I wasn't sure if that was going to be the case, but, you know, and in the aftermath of the story publishing, like it went way more viral than a lot of other stories I've written. Um, And I think it just really resonated with people because it's not something we talk about a lot. And when we talk about it, sometimes it's like in a kind of judgmental sense or like a, you roll your eyes at like, oh, this is just how dudes are. And like, you know, women will vent about it to each other, about other boyfriends don't have friends. It's just like a very common thing that comes up, yeah. but we don't talk about it as a mental health crisis. And as a real, as, as a real challenge that a lot of guys are facing and trying to confront and, and it's changing in a lot of ways and it's not their fault, you know? And I think, I mean, I really struggled with this because I felt like, I often write about communities i'm not a part of i write a lot about the lgbtq community I, I write a lot about people who you know have different experiences from mine mothers you know i don't have a kid right like so i'm used to that but i would never really written about men in this way and i think that just goes to show how i think often when we write about gender we write about it through a women's perspective because usually the people tasked with writing about gender are women but too often we you know we need to start including men in this and and centering men, because I think that it explains a lot about the gender dynamics in our society. And I think that as a part of feminism, for example, like the feminist movement needs to look at how sexism and misogyny is affecting men as well, because it is.
1: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for writing this article.
0: Thank you for doing this podcast.
1: And I promised
0: my roommate, I would give a shout out to his friends group because he's an example of one of these guys who's just so proud of his Facebook group. (laughs) They're called the Breakfast Club and like he's constantly talking to them. And, you know, it's just a great example of like a group of guys who are like really close with each other and and are constantly in touch. Um, And I think there's more and more groups like that. So shout out to the Breakfast Club.
1: The name's perfect too. shout out to the Breakfast Club.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much
1: thank you for listening to real men do cry if you like what you heard please follow and share with anyone else that may find value in the episode the podcast officially has an instagram go follow at rmdc pod for all updates on new content thanks again for listening see you guys next week